Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. Israel is engulfed in controversies between the left and right in the run-up to next week's election, and the fire between the sides is fueling Jerusalem Mystery Babylon's progress to world dominance. Jerusalem's plans for world power include uniting all Jews worldwide under a declaration of our common destiny. Let's see the effect this could have on believers everywhere. Reuven Rivlin, the current president of Israel, writes in the Times of Israel this week, He said today in the capital of the state of Israel and the heart of the Jewish people, I received the declaration of our common destiny. The document is a road map for future relations between the Jewish people and Israel around the world. Now, you will recall the reports from July 2018 and forward of the divide between Israeli and Diaspora Jews. This document is intended to bridge the new political, religious, and ideological gaps between the Israeli Jews and those in the Diaspora. The article continues, The future of the Jewish people depends on three things, preserving our core values, traditions, and identity, mutual respect for our differences, and mutual responsibility to each other. We must embrace our unity and our diversity, and we must see our diversity not as a source of weakness, but a source of strength. Dear friends, When I say that the future of the Jewish people depends on preserving our identity, mutual respect, and mutual recognition, I also mean the future of the state of Israel. As a Jewish and democratic state, Israel is essential for the survival of the Jewish people. In the same way, a thriving Jewish people, our fifth tribe, is essential for the survival of the state of Israel. Let me address the statement about Israel being a Jewish and democratic state. A nation can be a religious and ethnic based state or it can be democratic but not both. The very definition of democracy is to be all-inclusive of all people, giving equal rights to all people within the state. Ethnically-based nations are exclusive of all other peoples and do not give rights to other peoples inside their boundaries. Israel was a democratic state until July 19, 2018, when the Jewish state bill was passed into law. Now, Israel is a Jewish-only state, devoid of democracy. Now let's talk about another statement in this declaration, the statement about a fifth tribe. First, this new term coined in this document to world Jewry makes no sense, but it validates what I've been telling you for a long time about the composition of the house of Judah, who are now the modern Jews. The invention of a fifth tribe shows that the Jews are aware that Scripture says the house of Judah is four tribes, 
No longer can anyone say the Jews believe that all twelve tribes are with them and are blind to the existence of the other tribes still in exile. No, they are inventing a fifth tribe in addition to the four tribes that are with them into which all the diaspora Jews are now designated. So now, according to Judaism, the house of Judah tribes are Judah, Benjamin, Simeon, Levi, and the Diaspora Jews. We now know the house of Judah is deliberately leaving out all the other tribes of Jacob just by this reference in this document. This is likely to have a major effect on believers in Yeshua during the coming Great Tribulation. If Diaspora Jews get on board with this attempt by the Israeli government to unite the Jews worldwide, the effect could turn into Yeshua's prophecy about the Sanhedrins he said his followers would be taken to for questioning and beating. Mark 13:9 But take heed to yourselves for they will deliver you up to sanhedrins plural in the synagogues you shall be beaten and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony against them I talked about this last week in the Jerusalem report saying Yeshua knew what no one else understood from that time to this which is how we would be brought before rulers and kings rulers and and kings imply nations outside Israel which is exactly what will happen especially now that the nations are joining Jerusalem in the Noahide covenant remember Kabad has over 3500 synagogues worldwide the Israeli right wing political parties are leaning heavily into Kabad in fact the new Yamina political party has sworn in a letter to Kabad that they will be loyal to Kabad now understand this was the entire Yamina political party led by Ayelet Shaked swearing fealty to the Kabad's Messiah Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson who is now deceased the article from Breaking Israel News says though Shaked is not known to be religiously observant under her direction the new right party called Yamina is learning from the Rebbe here is what the Yamina party's letter said we the undersigned are declaring that we will work in the Knesset and in every other framework towards a complete Israel as per the holy opinion of the revered Rebbe of Lubavitch we will be resolutely opposed to the establishment of a Palestinian state or the establishment of Palestinian autonomy of any kind the delivery of land or the evacuation of any Jewish communities we will also firmly oppose the above mentioned topics in negotiations or in any other framework 
for this is indeed a matter of life or death. We will work towards establishing more Jewish communities in all areas of Judea and Samaria, as well as every other part of Israel. Though many of those who signed were not religious, according to this article, they ended the letter with the declaration in anticipation of the true redemption and its complete and immediate fulfillment. The Jewish true redemption is not Yahweh's definition of redemption, as I have said many times. His redemption includes all of the house of Jacob, all twelve tribes, not four plus one invented tribe. And this declaration that they will not allow peace with the Palestinians inside Israel's borders is important. It means that they will have to expel the Palestinians because the Jewish state bill says that non-Jews cannot live in Israel. Article 5 of last year's Jewish state law says the state will be open for Jewish immigration and the ingathering of exiles. Jewish immigration specifies the exclusion of everyone else. The definition of the exiles is those Jews in the diaspora. Judaism's definition of ingathering does not include people from any other tribes of Jacob. None from the northern house of Israel, which Yeshua brought back into the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants, are included. In response to Yamina's declaration of Chabad faith, Australian mining tycoon and Chabad rabbi Joseph Gutnick, who is credited with helping Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu get elected the first time in 1996, endorsed Yamina over Likud last Sunday. Chabad's Messiah Menachem Mendel Schneerson appointed Rabbi Joseph Gutnick as his emissary in 1990 for ensuring that the land of Israel remains whole. He told Gutnick to stay in touch with Israeli politicians to prevent the formation of a Palestinian state and Gutnick became close to Prime Ministers Yitzhak Shamir and Netanyahu. The Yamina party's letter called for Lubavitchers to vote only for a party that will pass the electoral threshold to avoid wasting even a single vote. The letter said, Everyone who fears Hashem must participate in the elections and vote for the most Haredi parties. The letter states, Care must be taken that not even a single vote is wasted. One must only vote for a party that will clearly and unequivocally pass the election threshold. It is forbidden to support a party that negotiates giving up territory from Eretz HaKodesh, that's uh, the Holy Land, or granting any type of autonomy to non-Jews. This is a matter of Pukuach Nefesh. Pukuach Nefesh is Hebrew for saving a life. 
autonomy to non-Jews, i.e. Palestinians, Christians who are in the land living or working to serve Judah like picking grapes and olives, building infrastructure, bringing tours to Israel or contributing to Israel in all kinds of ways, etc. is forbidden in Israel. They are not allowed to become part of Israel and many of them want to be included. Furthermore, Shaked believes she and her party, Yamina, will be the unifying factor between the secular ideological right and all of religious Zionism and that they are focused both on values and on other issues that we didn't focus on last time, like economics. Either Shaked is boxing President Donald Trump into a corner or she already knows he plans on upholding the Jewish state law which requires no non-Jews live in the land and how will that be upheld when it comes to the Palestinians deportation and forced immigration how will it be upheld when it comes to Christians and others living in the land they will have to swear faith to the Noahide laws or be deported. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu traveled down the same road this week. More on that in a moment. But first, speaking of courts, both Jews and Christians have been calling for the world's international criminal court to be headquartered in Jerusalem, Mystery Babylon, rather than at The Hague since 2017. Hundreds of Jews and Christians met here in the Netherlands to speak and pray for the law to go forth from Jerusalem, said organizer Jack Van Derg. We have proclaimed that the change now, that the law will no longer go out from The Hague, but will go out from Zion. Christians do not understand Yahweh's laws. His law does not come from man's laws. Rather, Yahweh's laws comes from Moses. Yahweh gave those laws to Moses. Neither Jews or Christians adhere to Moses' laws. This is a problem because it is Yahweh's word, his law, that is supposed to go out from Zion. What the world will get when the ICC is moved to Jerusalem is secular law, man-made law, and Judaism Talmudic law going out from Jerusalem. Talmudic law will quickly displace secular law and there is no justice in either secular or Talmudic law there is only true justice in Yahweh's law which has been abandoned by all of Yahweh's people when Talmudic law becomes the law of the earth Yahweh Yeshua will reappear because to do anything less would be to leave the earth totally in Satan's control am I saying Talmudic law is from Satan yes I am one of the leaders of this push to move the ICC to Jerusalem is Congresswoman Michelle Bachman the article titled Jerusalem Above the World's Capitals 
has both a title and a URL that tells the whole goal of Mystery Babylon, Jerusalem, and her leaders. The URL is different from the title, but it says, Repositioning Jerusalem Above World Cities. Does anything further need to be said? It is no secret that the ICC has bullied Israel over the years. Recent attempts to renew the Mavi Marmara case has sparked an Israeli backlash against the ICC. Haaretz reported on May 28, 2019 that Israel and the United States began what looks like a coordinated legal attack against the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court in The Hague. The Israel Defense Forces Military Advocate General, Major General Sharon Afek, said that the court has no authority over issues that concern Israel's conflict with the Palestinians. The U.S. is helping Jerusalem to take over the ICC and move its headquarters to Jerusalem for the purpose of there being no authority on earth to interfere with Israel's plans to implement the Jordan option or some other plan to remove the Palestinians from Israel. That's what that statement in Haaretz was all about. It was about Israeli relations with the Palestinians. President Donald Trump's administration is adopting a more belligerent and confrontational approach in its dealings with the court as opposed to the administration of former President Barack Obama. The Israeli defense establishment believes that if the court decides to act against Israel, the Americans will toughen their attitude toward it even more. In the meantime, Jews are not only attacking non-Jews, they are now attacking other Jews. Let's move into the battles section. Can a Jew be an anti-Semite? Israel Unwired says anti-Semitism is not a hidden phenomenon. It is a phenomenon that is wide open in full view of anybody willing to listen to the promulgators of hate. Therefore, the centrality of the state of Israel and the understanding that a strong response to threats against it are the keys to defending the Jewish people against its threats. This article just told you that the fundamental issue behind the big battle cry, anti-Semitism, is the centrality of the state of Israel on the earth. Anyone who opposes the rabbis rising to power and causing the rise of mystery Babylon will be accused of anti-Semitism, even from their own people, should they happen to be Jewish. How do I know this? This week, according to Deputy Health Minister and Head of United Torah Judaism, Yaakov Litzman, and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Yair Lapid, who is a Knesset member, author, TV presenter, news anchor, and member of the Yeshatid political party, is infected with a contagious disease. We'll find out what that disease is in a minute. Health Minister Yaakov Litzman said, We think he, that's Benny Gantz, made a tragic mistake when he took Lapid into his list. 
Litzman said, who heads the United Torah Judaism Party. We said that we would not join Gantz with Lapid. I don't go with someone who joined Lapid. Litzman said that until Wednesday he had never attacked Gantz, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's rival in the premiership race, but that Gantz had changed the game. I was good to him. I said, I can go with Gantz as long as Lapid isn't with him. But it seems that Lapid is a contagious disease that also infected Gantz. So in my eyes, they are the same, Litzman said. In other words, Gantz and Lapid are now infected with the same disease. What is that disease? Litzman said Lapid was infected with anti-Semitism. When asked whether accusing a fellow lawmaker of anti-Semitism and referring to him as a contagious disease was too harsh, Litzman said he stands by his accusations. Lapid added, Litzman thinks that over a million Kahol Levan voters are a disease. Netanyahu said of Lapid, the incitement by prime ministerial candidate Yair Lapid, worded in an anti-Semitic tone, proves yet again why Yair Lapid must not be allowed to be prime minister. What did Lapid do that got his tone in trouble? Well, he made a political video, and in it, portrayed ultra-Orthodox party leaders as money-grabbers who care about nothing but wealth. And thus, the video expresses a racist message, according to this article, that seeks to damage the shared fabric of life in Israel between the different tribes. That's what this word says in this article, between the different tribes and has a real potential for incitement and offending the feelings of the ultra-Orthodox community, and it exceeds the accepted and permissible political messages. Oh my goodness, the ultra-Orthodox community could get their little feelers hurt. And this political video was a racist message? Again, Lapid is a Jew, but now he is an anti-Semite and a racist too. Why? He is fighting the rise of the Israeli religious state coming under the ultra-Orthodox and the Orthodox communities. The above Israel Unwired news article, which I read earlier, defined anti-Semite as those who oppose the Jewish people. They come in all stripes of colors and for every reason under the sun. They come from the radical left, the radical right, from the Muslim faith, the Christian faith, and from the non-believers. Jews disagreeing with other Jews are not mentioned in the Israel unwired definition of anti-Semitism. Right before your very eyes, folks, the men pulling the levers behind the curtain are beginning to redefine anti-Semitism as anyone who disagrees with Orthodox or Ultra-Orthodox Judaism. 
This means reform, conservative, messianic, secular, any kind of Jew who disagrees with the religious right is now in danger. We can only hope and pray that those disenfranchised Jews will have their eyes opened by Yeshua and will come to him in faith. Speaking of faith, life under rabbinic law in Israel could get to be a tough thing for non-orthodox and non-ultra-orthodox Jews. Judaism's ultra-orthodox rules will be forced on them. In this Haaretz article titled, Israel's Religion-State Divide Blows Up as Election Campaign Gets Mean, this is what your Shabbat will look like if we don't protect it from Lapid and Lieberman. Only Shas will protect Shabbat and the Jewish state. Here we see the double standard. As the Shas party slams Lapid and Lieberman, the claim by Shas is that Lapid and Lieberman will not uphold Shabbat according to ultra-Orthodox rules. The article continues. This new campaign ad for the ultra-Orthodox Shas party is just one exchange in Israel's do-over election campaign stressing the country's battle over religion and state. For the ultra-Orthodox parties like Shas and the voters targeted in the ad, traditional Moroccan Jews and other Mizrahi families with roots in the Muslim world, the fear is that non-ultra-Orthodox Israeli politicians will succumb to pressure and give the secular community greater freedom. At issue is the allowing of commerce and public transportation on the Jewish Sabbath, not to mention the potential allowing of civil marriage, which allegedly would lead to an utter abandonment of Jewish tradition. Can you imagine life for rebellious Jews in the new Israeli religious state under Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox rules? In this article, the question is asked, Can rabbis force someone to keep halakha by punishing his family? According to the article, the short answer is yes. This is done by preventing the burial of the dead and circumcision of a son at eight days old. This is penalizing other people, relatives of someone, for that person's sins. This is against the Torah, yet the rabbis are adept at punishing family for the sins of a family member. Do not think they will stop at punishing Jews who disagree with the Israeli religious state. I believe it is possible that non-Orthodox Jews and non-Ultra-Orthodox Jews will come to faith in Yeshua when Yahweh pours out His Spirit on both houses after the Gog-Magog War. The two witnesses will be believers that come from both houses, people who are on fire for Yahweh, like those men in the book of Acts. Now let's move on to the election. Israel's election is getting nasty, as you now already know. Now, Netanyahu is openly seeking to suppress the Arab vote for the first time in Israel's history. This article asked, How democratic is Israel? 
I mean, of course, Israel within the green line. So that's democratic with a massive asterisk, which means democratic when putting aside the massive issue of millions of Palestinians under Israeli rule without any rights. But aside from that, how democratic is Israel? Well, putting aside the inequalities between Jewish and Arab citizens, the women held captive in marriage by rabbinical courts and the treatment of African migrants, Israel is very democratic. The international organizations that grade and monitor the levels of democracy, such as Freedom House, give Israel some of the highest rankings in the world on matters of political rights, participation, and the robustness of its electoral system. Of all the things Benjamin Netanyahu has done over the years to erode the fundamentals of Israeli democracy, his current campaign to impugn the electoral process is potentially the most dangerous. The exaggerated and targeted claims of wholesale fraud in the Arab community and the accusation that the election result in April was stolen and could be again on September 17th is, to use a phrase Netanyahu coined recently in a different context, a terror attack against democracy. Netanyahu has two aims in questioning the election results creating a cloud of suspicion over the Arab population in the hope of suppressing and intimidating its voters and keeping turnout low and exhorting his own voters, many of whom lack the motivation to go back to the polling booths next week as Likud focus groups have found to prevent another quote-unquote theft. Listen, It really won't matter which candidate or party wins next week's election. Israel is more divided now than ever. Any right-wing party elected to power will continue with the push to make Jerusalem the capital power of economics and law of the earth. Mystery Babylon is coming Jerusalem will spark the Gog-Magog war in the West Bank and will rise to power just as the book of Revelation says. The only interesting thing coming out of next week's election is really who is going to win. Now let's take a look at the peace plan. Trump's peace plan continues to spawn wild unfounded speculation over its contents. This article titled Will Trump's Peace Plan Send 100,000 Palestinians to Canada? This is an Arab media outlet that wrote this article called Al-Akbar has reported that Canada will be ready to take in 100,000 Palestinians, that's 40,000 Palestinians from Lebanon and 60,000 Palestinians from Syria. The report also includes an additional 16,000 to Spain. And it says as an additional step, Canada might agree, agree rather to absorb refugees. Other rumors have been circulating that President Trump is exerting pressure on other countries to accept Arab immigrants from Israel as a means to advance a resolution to the conflict. Well, I don't believe the rumors (laughs) about Canada taking Palestinians, but Trump's 
pressuring other Arab countries to take them is believable. The article further says this can offer a partial solution for many on Israel's left who often lament that if Israel annexes Judea and Samaria it will create a demographic time bomb whereby the new Arab citizens will simply vote Israel out of existence while firing a single shot. Well, sounds like a vote for war. Canada, though, has denied the reports, but... Benjamin Netanyahu has announced that he will annex large swaths of occupied Palestinian territories if he is re-elected, a decision that for a decade has been considered an end-game scenario for Palestinians' aspirations of statehood. He also hinted it may have been approved by Washington. I am waiting to do this in maximum coordination with Donald Trump, Netanyahu said in a speech broadcast live on Israeli television. Netanyahu said the U.S. president was likely to release his long-touted Middle East peace plan soon. U.S. officials have suggested the plan will not include a Palestinian state, something Netanyahu has promised to never let happen. A White House official said there had been no change in its policy and would not comment further. Netanyahu made the speech standing in front of a large map on an easel that showed Israeli sovereignty extended over the uh, vast majority of the Jordan Valley. It appeared to display Israeli territory completely encircling the West Bank, slicing off the eastern border with Jordan. Jericho, a Palestinian city and smaller Palestinian villages were displayed as enclaves that would not be annexed. According to Vox.com, the annexation is billed as a security measure, an essential move for Israel to protect its heartland. In practice, though, it would mean seizing land that's vital to any future Palestinian state's success, effectively dismantling the peace process. It's a truly radical pronouncement, a blaring statement that this Israeli government has no interest in a serious negotiated peace with the Palestinians. Well, Netanyahu's pledge amounts to one-third of the West Bank. His plan to annex territory along the Jordan River would reshape the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and would reduce any future Palestinian state to an enclave encircled by Israel. Rabbi Levi Sudri, an award-winning Bible expert, noted Jericho's spiritual significance to Israel. In the Bible, he says, we see that Jericho is the key to all of Israel, Rabbi Sudri told Breaking Israel News. If you have the key in your hand, only then can you enter. But after you do, the entire land will be open in front of you. Contrary to what Netanyahu did, Yitzhak Rabin's downfall began when he gave Jericho to the Arabs, Rabbi Sudri said. Though it may seem like an insignificant city on the edge of Israel, it is like the door to the house. Let me just say, in response to Vox.com, who talked about a peace process, the term peace process 
is now a non sequitur. There is no process, nor will there be peace. Under Trump and whoever might get into Israel's prime minister's office, there will be only a dictated ultimatum which the Palestinians will fight Israel and the U.S. over. Lately, some people have said they believe the U.S. and Israel will be in a fight with Jordan. Well, I can see how that would happen. The Jordanian government will only be pushed so far, folks. They could attempt to come to the aid of the Israeli-Palestinians in the event of annexation or even forced immigration, which, as you know, would include either the abdication of King Abdullah from his throne or being forced off of his throne by war. This article also says annexation is not inevitable. Well, I disagree. The election of any of the right-wing religious parties, Yamina, Ayelet, Shaked, for example, will still bring this annexation. As Prime Minister, Shaked will not allow the Palestinians to remain in Israel any more than Netanyahu will. In fact, even left-wing Avigdor Lieberman in power may well result in annexation imposed at the end of a gun barrel or a sword. Remember, he wants to chop Palestinians' heads off for disagreeing with Israel's policies. I talked about that a few weeks ago. According to Middle East Monitor, Israel Beitenu leader and potential post-election kingpin Avigdor Lieberman is also seeking settler votes with hints of support for the annexation of the West Bank territory, just like his rival Benjamin Netanyahu. But according to J-Post, although Lieberman supports the inclusion of settlement blocks such as Malay Adumim within Israel's final borders, he believes it should be done within the context of a regional peace plan. A peace plan within Israel's borders is not on Trump or Netanyahu's mind. Lieberman has seemingly backed off of his chop-their-heads-off rage and is using a more moderate tone now invoking peace, unlike Netanyahu, whose very tone invokes prospects of war, which the Gazans took seriously, making their displeasure with Netanyahu known over the annexation remarks this past week campaign events for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and several other politicians were cut short by rocket sirens in Ashdod and Ashkelon on Tuesday night. The siren went off just as Netanyahu began his speech in Ashdod. A live video stream from the event showed him saying, okay, clear out, as his bodyguards urged him to move just before the video cut off. Some 20 minutes later, the Prime Minister resumed his speech. He said, if Hamas is shooting at us in a live broadcast, you can understand they don't want us here. Um, So prepare for another one, he said. We'll evacuate and then we'll return. Thus, the war tone. 
if Netanyahu is working with Trump and is taking this attitude of annexing the West Bank without making any peace overtures, then both the U.S. and Israel are preparing for war in the West Bank. And what did last week's Torah portion say in Deuteronomy 20 verse 10? It says, when you come near a city to fight against it, then shout peace to it. Don't you just love how the Torah comes alive every week? But will the Israelis shout peace to the cities before invading them? The PA is fighting the annexation by announcing that it may pay Palestinians to move to Area C to fight the battle for possession. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry, and your help is much appreciated. Join Pete and Kelly Rambo to clean up Jerusalem and enjoy Sukkot from October 7th to 22nd for only $945. Price includes lodging, breakfast, and dinner each day as well as most transportation. Enjoy other options like tours and shopping. Check AniYosef.com, A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com for details. Sukkot is the Lord's Feast and Jerusalem is the only place to be this year in Jerusalem. Now, those are the battles. Let's go back to some more plans. This is one more item before I wrap up, and it is an important one. Breaking Israel News announced this week that the upcoming animal sacrifice on the Mount of Olives will stop the Gog-Magog war from happening. In other words, because the rabbis have decreed this, it will be so. God will obey them and not fulfill his sovereign word found in Ezekiel 38 and 39. The basis of September 25th conference of the 70 nations is designed to renew Noah's covenant with all mankind that Yahweh never said he would renew. The Sanhedrin is calling this sacrifice a ceremony of covenant renewal. Folks, there is no prophesied renewal for the covenant of Noah. It is a covenant in perpetuity, unlike the Abrahamic and Mosaic covenants, which are conditional. The Sanhedrin composed a statement of purpose for the sacrifice. We, the offspring of those who exited the ark with Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japhet, the representatives of the seventy nations ascended to the Temple Mount, in order to pray to God to bring about the words of the prophets and to cancel out the judgment of the war of Gog and Magog. We seek today to renew the eternal covenant God made with those who left the ark in order to prevent any flood or other forms of global catastrophe. Now, let's stop right there. 
Yahweh said there would never be a global flood again. Don't the Jews believe him? They are also praying to stop the global catastrophes listed in the prophets of the Tanakh which populate the words of Yeshua and the book of Revelation. Keep listening. Jerusalem is trying to undo and prevent some other stuff too. This renewal of the covenant comes at a time when such dangers abound. It also means that some men have forgotten their part in the covenant with God and their responsibilities. A dove will be provided for the ceremony in commemoration of the dove sent out by Noah from the ark, which according to Jewish tradition brought an olive branch from the Mount of Olives. The dove and olive branch have come to be the universal symbol of peace which emanates from Jerusalem, whose name means peace. May the light of the pure oil from the temple menorah once again light the world with justice and truth. And then the Sanhedrin mixes this into the ceremony in a part which was not in play during God's covenant with Noah. And the many peoples shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mount of Hashem, to the house of the God of Yaakov, that he may instruct us in his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For instruction shall come forth from Zion, the word of Hashem from Yerushalayim, Isaiah 2.3. The real purpose of this ceremony in disguise is to begin bringing the nations who will be represented at the ceremony under the Noahide laws. The Sanhedrin will claim these nations are now Noahide nations, which will make the people of those nations subject to the Noahide laws and prohibited from keeping biblical laws, the law of Moses, not to be confused with the Talmud. The rabbis claim the Mount of Olives sacrifice does not violate the Torah because Gentiles are permitted to sacrifice anywhere on the earth. And guess what? That is correct. Why, Kimberly, what do you mean? The rabbis got it right? Yes, that is correct. Gentiles are permitted to sacrifice anywhere on the earth. Did you not know this? except there is one caveat as long as that Gentile is not sacrificing to Yahweh he is permitted to sacrifice to his God anywhere on the earth except in Israel of course Yahweh however has specified a one and only place for the sacrifices to him Temple Mount in fact this article in Breaking Israel News says Temple Mount is the specified place for sacrifices but only for Jews. Furthermore, this article contains much confusion about what Noahides can and cannot do. And this discussion is happening because the rabbis need to come to final agreement about the new Noahides they are getting to ready to make on September 25th, 2019. Here is an example of their confusion from this Breaking Israel news article. 
The article explains that if a non-Jew who observes the Noahide laws wishes to perform any of the other commandments in the Torah in order to receive a heavenly reward, should not be prevented from doing so. Similarly, if a non-Jew brings a korban ulah, that's burnt offering, it must be accepted. There are some opinions, though, that maintain that non-Jews may bring korban olah and korban shalamim, usually translated as peace offering, while other opinions state that they may bring an olah, but not a shalamim. The halakha, that's accepted Torah law according to this article, but not Torah. The Jews do not adhere to Torah, Rather, a Talmudic law, that's my words, that's what the the Jews adhere to, is Talmudic law, not Torah law. Their halakha is that non-Jews bring korban olah, but not shlamim, and that they may bring any type of animal. Now, I want you to hear this. Noahides can bring any type of animal, even those which are unacceptable, for sacrifice by Kohanim, that's Jewish priests in the temple. And that, again, it, the, the Jews are not priests. The Levites are priests. But the Jews were priests in the temple times when Yeshua was on the earth. And don't get me preaching here because I'm going to get started and you're not going to get to stop me. So let me continue. This includes male and female animals, animals with blemishes, coyote, that's wild animals which are kosher to eat but not acceptable as a temple sacrifice, and chickens which are not brought as a temple sacrifice. Oh my! Non-Jews can perform commandments in the Torah for heavenly rewards which we already know is not true from the writings of the Talmud I have shown you in previous Jerusalem reports. Just read Sanhedrin 58b, which says, Goy Sheshavadhayamita, a Gentile who rests on the Sabbath incurs the death penalty. Go and read that. But this article is also saying they can bring a burnt offering. But the jury is still out on the peace offering and it doesn't matter what kind of animal they want to sacrifice to Yahweh in any place where they decide to do that. He can bring an animal not specified by Yahweh for proper sacrifice and he can bring a blemished animal. It doesn't matter. I want to scream these rabbis are making up the rules for Noahides as they go along. Something I predicted would happen. There are no Noahide laws in scripture. Noahideism is purely a Judaism fiction. Therefore, they can make up and change the rules at will. The article continues, 
Gentiles are permitted to offer burnt offerings to God in all places provided they sacrifice them on a raised structure that they build. It is forbidden to help them offer these sacrifices or act as agents for them for we are forbidden to sacrifice outside the temple courtyard. It is permitted to instruct them and teach them how to sacrifice to the Almighty. Blessed be he. The altar must be built exclusively by non-Jews who observe the Noahide laws and the same is true of the sacrifice itself. The original sacrifice was made by Noah when he exited the ark after the flood. Then Noah built an altar to Hashem and taking of every clean animal and of every clean bird he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Genesis 18.20 There is a reason the Sanhedrin is promoting Noahides to learn to do sacrifices on their own on the Mount of Olives. Hang on, I will reveal this in a minute. This sacrifice made by Noah was a korban olah, a tribute to God that was entirely burnt on the altar. I now establish my covenant with you and your offspring to come and with every living thing that is with you, birds, cattle and every wild beast as well, all that have come out of the ark, every living thing on earth. I will maintain my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Then why? If Yahweh said he will maintain this covenant forever and there will never be another flood like that one is the Jews putting the nations through this fake ceremony and praying that Yahweh won't bring disasters to the earth. It is because they are defying him and they know it. Friends, this organization of 70 nations and this Noahide covenant renewal is a perversion rebellion treason treachery against Yahweh by these rabbis against Yahweh our king only he gets to specify how we worship him and where If all this doesn't make you want to throw up, then nothing will. Earlier, I said I would tell you the reason this is being done and what the place, the Mount of Olives, means in this Noahide Covenant renewal ceremony. The real reason for the Sanhedrin doing this is twofold. First, to continue the Pharisaic attack on Yeshua. He said that the end of days would be like the days of Noah. The Sanhedrin is trying to preempt, stop this prophecy of Yeshua's from being fulfilled so they can call him a false prophet, which they already do. The failure of the days of Noah prophecy would be all they need to convince the believers in Yeshua to deny him. In fact, their man Messiah will come declaring peace and Christians will fall for him and deny Yeshua. Second, 
The other and more important issue is that this animal sacrifice and other animal sacrifices that could be ongoing by these Noahides destroys for the nations Yeshua's sacrifice that he made for them. Don't you think the Jews know where Yeshua was crucified? They are doing everything they can to defile Yeshua's life, his teachings, his self-sacrifice on the cross, his divine sacrifice, which cannot be compared to any animal sacrifice, so that none of the nations of the world can come to him for salvation. This is one of the reasons why Yahweh will punish them so severely after he finishes punishing his own people. Let me repeat. The Sanhedrin will sacrifice animals on behalf of the nations on the same mountain where Yeshua was crucified. They are trying to undo what Yeshua did for all mankind including them. No animal sacrifice brings salvation. Only Yeshua's divine sacrifice can do that. The Jews still think sacrificing a bull satisfies Yahweh's requirements for salvation. Revelation 14:12 says, "Here is the patience of the saints. Here are the ones who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Yeshua." Salvation comes through Yeshua. It always has, it does now, and it always will. The rabbis are redefining the covenant of Noah to use it for the purpose of bringing all the nations under the Noahide laws. The Breaking Israel News article has this sentence close to the end. A lot of people... Jews and non-Jews are very angry about the conference, Rabbi Hollander told Breaking Israel News. Everything we are doing is 100% according to Jewish law. You're right about that, Hollander. Your evil, twisted Leviathan plan is according to Judaism's laws. Let this be a warning to all the people of the earth to disengage from the Jews right now. I recently added a special section called Jewish Temple Watch on the right side nav bar on Beastwatch News' homepage. Please check that daily. It updates every 12 hours and you don't want to miss anything when it comes to the rising mystery Babylon. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.